Avengers Defenders podcast, the number one podcast about the Netflix Marvel series. I'm Claire. I'm Matt. I'm Mel. And we have no Robin because Robin is AWOL. Ooh. <laughs> we hope you're Maybe. okay, Robin, and you're not, you know, been set on fire while fighting Daredevil or something and are in a little flaming pile in the corner of the warehouse somewhere. <laughs> Maybe what? he's just convalescing from an attack last night on the couch while his friend yells at him. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Oh. Don't yell at Robin, but, whoever you are. Yeah, whoever are <laughs> you. Maybe Ellen Henson just went around his house and yelled at him for a while. <laughs> that would be weird. Uh, but instead, we have, I mean, maybe Robin will, get, will join us later. We don't know. Genuinely, he has vanished like a ninja into the night. <laughs> we don't know where he is. Like a ninja into the flames. Yes. <laughs> like a nobu into the flames. <laughs> uh, but we have a very special guest here instead, which is Nutty. Yay! Hello. Yay! Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited you're here because we have had a few scheduling issues. And we, we and I was one of them. <laughs> I've yes, been rescheduled to this one. A lot of our guests have moved their episodes around so we can have you on because you are such a special guest that we had to have you on. No oh, pressure. No pressure. Thank at you all. so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Um, I, I, I really do feel badly about the, uh, the first scheduling mix up, but, uh, the funny thing was I, I moved it around so that I could be there for my husband's test in Aikido. And then uh, on Friday, my sensei is like, oh, and maybe you can show me something on Sunday. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to be here on Sunday. Oh, and he's yeah. like, what? And I was like, oh, crap, he was going to test me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that yeah. you're just like my sensei. Like, you actually are Daredevil. I am. Like, you're being trained by stick. I love it. That's what I'm going to imagine anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got the sticks downstairs to prove it. <gasps> if you uh, don't don't feel, um, you know, tempted to give him a little bracelet out of it made of an ice cream wrapper, because he'll oh, no, smash he'll, it he'll in your Yeah, it'll be horrible. <laughs> yeah, and then you'll, you'll have mental scars for the rest of your life. I know, but uh, you that <laughs> Also, I didn't give you an alliterative name, so I'm going to say that you're the nefarious nutty. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> well, it helps considering I already have an alliterative name. You do? Well, your full alliterative name would be what? <laughs> it's, it's Nutty Nuchas. Yay! That is, that is a proper <laughs> comic book name. It's awesome. Because Nutty's really the descriptor. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's what we call you. Yes. And and you can pimp your podcast later, which also has your, your name. Oh, absolutely. Time for some news. Um, first of all, Matt has some very exciting news that he told us just before we recorded. Yeah. But uh, I think you should tell us again, Matt, so we can all cheer. Well, it's DC related. That doesn't matter. We talk about we talk about Suicide Squad every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I was just browsing, and uh, apparently they just confirmed it's canonical that Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy are an item. They're not just friends. They're girlfriends. They're girlfriends. As I said earlier, yay for the gay. It makes me happy. <laughs> and I love it because it's it's the writers that confirmed it, and they confirmed it as no, this isn't a new thing. This is something that's always happened. Mm-hmm. And just, they just even yeah yeah, and and they even reference you know the whole uh, no no no, it's all good. You know, Red uh, gave me a, a shot, and now we can play. <laughs> I'm, I'm I think that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. And I, I specifically love the um, the one tweet from DC Comics. Yes, they are girlfriends without the jealousy, jealousy of monogamy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's 
good. It fills my my little bisexual heart with joy. <laughs> oh, it, 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 it totally does. It's it's so it's just so wonderful. Yeah. Um, do you want some other wonderful news? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, we have two major bits of Marvel casting this week. I don't know if you guys are aware of them. You probably are. Uh, but we have a we have a Punisher for season two of Daredevil. Yay! Yay. In honor, I'm currently wearing my Punisher T-shirt, and the Punisher is going to be played by John Bernthal, better known as well. The only thing I know him as, sorry, John Bernthal, uh, is Shane out of The Walking Dead. Yay! He has weird ears. Though. Yay! Does he? <laughs> I've never noticed his ears. I think he'll be really good as the Punisher, though. I think if you can't get Frank Grillo, who I would love to have played him, but he's currently playing um, uh, Crossbones in um, the Captain America films, mm. uh, then I think this guy is going to be really good. Yep, is the Punisher supposed to be like uh, he's a, a likable? Oh, he's a jerk. He's well, a jerk. then yeah. Yeah, he's a jerk. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> The, the Punisher, Stephen Denight actually described when they were, like, doing Daredevil, uh, he described they wanted Daredevil to be one bad day away from becoming the Punisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they actually are really interesting, the way the two characters are counterpoints to each other in the comics, because Daredevil, ha- if you took away Daredevil's moral code, he would basically be the Punisher. Well, uh, and- how, how are they going to fight, though? Because Daredevil's, Daredevil would kick his ass hand-to-hand and... I don't. Daredevil stands no chance against guns, really. If it's like a fully automatic gun that Punisher's prone to using, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, maybe they'll be on the same side. We don't know if they're going to fight each other. True. Mm. Yeah, I. Uh, the thing that's very exciting about this to me is they keep talking about you know how far is Matt going to go, and you know Daredevil doesn't kill, and then you're going to bring in the Punisher who kills people. Yeah, which is wonderful all the time. Yeah, and it's 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 wonderful because it'll be a nice conflict there. Yeah, he hates, he hates anybody who wears a mask though, so I can't see him teaming up with Daredevil. That's true. Mm. That's true. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, from some of the things we've we've heard them sort of teased about season two, some of which I'm not going to tell you guys, but um, I I think it'll be interesting. I'm glad they're bringing in the Punisher. I kind of hope that they're bringing him in to see how popular he is he is in the show, and then maybe spin him off to his own show, although I don't know if the Punisher could hold his own TV show or not. I'm not sure, but I, I really want to see him. Um, one of my favourite moments in any Marvel film ever is in the Punisher Warzone film. I don't know if you guys have seen that. No. Where there's a moment in which it's around, because the film was made around the time that like parkour was really big in movies, you know, so you had it in Bond and and superhero films and there was just people running around doing parkour everywhere and there's a bit where the, these criminals are running away from de- uh, from the Punisher doing parkour and one of them like is jumping across this this gap between two buildings and the Punisher blows him up using a rocket launcher in midair and it's amazing <laughs> and it's one of my favourite moments in any superhero film ever just this guy blown up mid parkour and everyone's just like what great I love it. <laughs> uh, so and that film is is utterly bonkers and it's great i love it and the other really exciting bit of casting is for the doctor strange movie um they've cast the character of baron mordo who i don't know that much about i believe he's like a, a villain because he's he's another pupil of the ancient one as well as doctor strange and kind of gets jealous. That's all I know. I don't know that much about him. But he's going to be played by Chiatol Ejiofor, who is an amazing actor and is best known from 12 Years a Slave 
and he was the villain in Serenity, uh, in which he was probably the best thing in it, and that was Serenity, so that's high praise. I thought he was amazing in it, and a very complex villain, so I think that's really cool. I loved him in Serenity. Oh, he's so good in it. I'll watch him do anything. Yeah, he's he's so good. He was in Love Actually as well, but I won't talk about that because I hate that film. (laughs) That's a gross movie. (laughs) (laughs) You men are like, love. Which is the one you watched with your dad and you didn't know what it was going to be? No, I... I, I, We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. Anyways. I I mean, I've had that. I've had that too, where you get get a movie and you watch it with your parents and it's like not appropriate when you're a kid. It was very not appropriate. It was... um, Eyes wide shut. <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> it was so effing awkward. We we just like at the end we you know it's one of those movies where you start watching it and then if you turn it off it's like you're admitting the fact that it's yeah. awkward to watch it together and so you have to look, see it through to the yeah. end and then you turn it off and you don't speak to each other for like <laughs> about it ever again afterwards. <laughs> I felt I felt slightly awkward watching that with my sister who I was roommates with, but then we turned it off just because it was bad. <laughs> It's terrible. I it's know. a horrible movie. But I was like, I am not watching this. It would have been like, if we had turned it off, it would have been admitting that it's really awkward. Yeah. So we were just like, you know, not speaking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> so awkward. Life is too short for bad movies. Talking about like, watching stuff with parents, because I'm house-sitting at the moment for my parents. They went on holiday this morning. I actually sat last night and watched this episode we're reviewing this week with my parents. Oh, um, okay. They hadn't seen any of the other episodes. My mum knows nothing about Daredevil. I was wearing a Captain America t-shirt, which she thought was a Daredevil t-shirt. Oh, I don't know why, because she was going, well, why isn't he wearing that on his chest? And I was like, what? And she goes, what you're wearing? And I was like, because that's Captain America, mum. You non-nerd. <laughs> um, but they both like, enjoyed it. <laughs> and they actually said they're going to watch the rest of the show, because they oh. enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh. But my mum was very suspicious of Karen Page. She thought Karen Page was a villain, <laughs> which is hilarious. She's sneaky in this episode. She's very sneaky. So, yeah, we should actually get to this episode, because we've probably got a lot to talk about. Um, so this week we are covering Nelson versus Murdoch, written by Luke Calto and directed by Baron Blackburn. Um, and... First, the first shot we get is shirtless Charlie Cox, <laughs> but he's not looking that sexy. Sorry, Vicky, I know you're listening. Um, he's looking really terrible. His what? His nipples are so round. I think look at his <laughs> nipples now. They're very perfectly round, like very perfect, like the <laughs> roundest nipples I've ever seen. I was more looking at the horrific injuries all over him. Well, like, I looked oh. at that, but then I was like, wow, his nipples are round. That's weird. I thought, I thought <laughs> chicks dig scars. I mean, he had all sorts of, like, you know, cuts and scrapes. Nipples, guys. They're I was not, just noticing them. <laughs> they're not scars yet. They're festering wounds. That's true. They That's true. Oh, yeah. Why did he have to remove the... I know it was for us, but, like, really, why did he have to take the bandage off? He's that sensitive. He should be able to feel what it is. And lifting the bandage off shouldn't help him figure out what it is more. Because he's like, oh, people are, people are watching. I better lift up my bandage ah, so, so the stupid. audience... <laughs> he's probably like, what's this on my chest? Is this a big leech sucking out my blood? Yeah, he looks messed up and there's blood everywhere. Um, And we find out that Claire came and stitched him up um, while he was unconscious and Foggy's angry at him. Were you guys sad that we didn't see Claire in this episode? I was like, is she done for the series? I'm not going to answer that. (laughs) 
I don't think yeah, she's, was... uh, she's in the, the picture for the next episode. I was a little sad. Um, when I, when I saw the title for this, uh, back when I, cause I've watched them all, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I saw the title coming up, I was like, Oh, this is going to be so good. It's going to be so good. And then, you know, this happened and I was like all excited about foggy and, 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 Nelson. Oh. And uh, <laughs> but then I was like, wait, where's Claire? I mean, I know that's not the point, but where's Claire? I love me some Rosario Dawson. Well, I can say when they got Ro- Rosario Dawson for the show, um, they only had her for five episodes. So they knew that she could only p- appear for five episodes. And they really had problems trying to work out which episode she would be in. Um, so they didn't want to waste her. Yeah, exactly. So they yeah. were very... Um, efficient with how they used her so in this in this episode obviously she would have just been there for like a minute going oh Matt sewing him up and then going bye there's no point in her being there you know because we've we've seen her do that a lot before um and we want to get to what's going to happen between these two guys rather than than yeah kind of being like this is awkward (laughs) (laughs) she'll be like this is so awkward okay bye um so then we get our first flashback and it's matt and foggy's first day in college and i've drawn three hearts um, because it's so cute and i uh yeah what did you guys think of this thing foggy looks like meatloaf and metallica had a baby (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh you're right he does um but that's okay because i love meatloaf um (laughs) do you like his soul patch now but why is he listening to Drops of Jupiter? It's like, I don't know. He's got terrible taste in music. Because like, he's a douchey college guy. He looks like a metalhead who's listening to terrible music. Just- oh, he's, he, the slow patch is him trying to be, like, all sensitive, you know? Yeah. Oh, terrible. It's, it's it's terrible. It makes me hate him even more. Well, I mean, oh. his goatee and his hair, like, they're stupid, but they seem to be, they seem to fit him more than his hair that he has now. Like, that seems to be his natural state, as stupid as it is. But, I think that's how Elden Henson's hair is in real life. Like, Elden Henson's yeah. a bit of a metalhead in real life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've never seen, seen him. not being a metalhead, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love the fact, though, that they Up use Vanilla, train, right? like, the mu- like the train music, because it's, it's like so ridiculous that he would be listening to that, but it so perfectly encapsulates that time period. Do you know what I mean? You're like, it does. Yeah, it oh, does. okay. <laughs> you know, it's like I, don't I know, playing Creed or something. I just am like, oh, okay. I don't think I've ever seen that actor with actual short hair, though. Um, he, he must have it in his contract. Um, like, oh, that's, yeah. I didn't realize that was him. I love that movie. Oh, that that's so, so good. Yeah, Speaking of meatloaf, Robin, what oh, did yeah. you listen to? What did you listen to in 2010? Uh, oh, Robin, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from the hell dimension. Oh God. <laughs> It's like I sign, I sign on. I'm like, they're already shitting on Foggy. Uh, so I'm, I'm here. not shitting on Foggy. I love Foggy, it's by the way. Good. This is my listening to Train. Come on. We've all made mistakes, man. Um, my my one of the my favorite things about this series is this is the first adaptation that has gotten Foggy right in mm-hmm. my eyes. This. He is playing Foggy so well because he's such an empathic character. He cares about things. Like, yeah, he's a goofball, but he's not a clown. Like, he has real substance. I always and said he's a clown in the movie, so. Oh, gosh, you know, yeah, yeah. With, what's his face playing? Never, yeah. Um, <laughs> or Happy Hogan and Foggy Nelson are interchangeable. Yeah. <laughs> that character. And I just, I love, I love this interpretation of the character. It's just, it's perfect. It is how I have seen Foggy. I mean, 
I don't know anything I just about Foggy, so yeah, this could be a perfect portrayal, and I would have no idea. <laughs> mm. It's funny that he's such a divisive character. I mean, we could, we should talk about this because this really is Foggy's episode, I think. Um, yes. And he's such like his portrayal is so divisive, um, which I find interesting. And that's not just among people that aren't familiar with the character. It's like people who aren't familiar with the character, people who are fans. Um, and I can see how the character, I mean, we've, we've got feedback from Michael this week, and I'm sure he'll be having a rant. So, um, <laughs> But uh, I, I find it really interesting because I think he plays it so perfectly. And I think the scenes with him and Matt, like in this scene where they like almost immediately become friends, is because like Matt says in this scene, oh, everyone else kind of treats me like I'm made of glass. Whereas Fog is just like kind of like, oh, you're blind. Oh, cool. Whatever. Oh, you know, chicks. Yay. Whatever. You know, just really doesn't treat him like that. Treats him like anyone else. And he's kind yeah. of like the anti-Matt because Matt is so um, somber a lot of the time. Really the only thing that brings his his more mischievous side out and his, you know, sort of funnier side out is Foggy. And I think that's why they're friends, you know. Yeah, I really liked Foggy this episode. Yeah, he's so good. No, he feels forced to me. I don't really? like it. I don't oh. like the dialogue between the two of them. It just felt forced. I didn't like it. <laughs> what about the Not even studying av- Punjabi no. because it's the future language <laughs> of the future, Mel? No. What about <laughs> avocados? That is like the best thing. Oh, that was lame. I didn't oh, like it. Mel. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't help if I don't like something. Well, I that's, just don't. Well, that's the flashback. Yeah. What about what about what about the 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 you know the uh, present day foggy like the serious? No, I don't. I didn't like them. I didn't like that. I didn't like it. Hmm. No, it just. Mm. Yeah, it was like it's like watching the X Files and not liking Mulder. I don't get it. Mulder <laughs> is the worst character ever. I'm going to be ranting about that for two hours later today. I won't rant about it now. (laughs) Wait, wait, Robin, no, it would be worse. It'd be like watching the X-Files and not liking Scully, because Scully is where it's at. Yeah. So I, when we were talking about, um, because we mentioned Foggy's soul patch and like 90s, I know, did you guys notice that Matt's wearing one of those necklaces that's like one of those black cord necklaces? I was like, oh, that's so, like, 90s and 2000s. And then I was like, I wonder what's on his necklace. This is because I've seen this show way too many times. And I'm like, I wonder what's on the necklace. And then I was like, why is he wearing the necklace? Like, who's it for? And I started really thinking about this necklace. I don't know anything about these necklaces. Isn't this supposed to be be 2010, though? I think so, but, like, even... No, it can't be 2010, because aren't they freshmen, or are they starting law school? This is 2010. Yeah, 2010. He's enrolling enrolling in this as 2010 semester. Oh, okay. So then it must just be law school. I thought that they were freshmen. I, I saw Focky and I was like, so is this like the 90s? Is this grunge Focky? It, like it can't just be law school, though, because Focky's <laughs> yeah. enrolling to do Punjabi and Matt's doing Spanish. Exactly. That's why I'm so confused, because, like, the, it, law school, you know, you have to do undergrad, then go to law school. Mm. Like, And then they just... intern as well, because they yeah. intern the Lamb and Zach. So well, maybe Daredevil is set in the future. Oh. <laughs> maybe. Oh. But for some reason, they think... The 2010 is the 90s fashion. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was trying to think about it. I was like, well, obviously people had long hair and goatees in 
2010 too. <laughs> like it stopped after the 90s. They were they but. were abolished after the 90s. No one's allowed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's some people I know on the university campus that would disagree with you because they are still around and alive and well, my friend. <laughs> Your mom used to say you'd look good with a soul patch, Matt. I don't know. I hope, I hope she Matt, didn't. Please grow a soul patch. Yeah. Matt, please don't grow a soul patch. <laughs> no, Matt, please grow, I, I grow a beard like the one Samuel L. Jackson has in Jackie Brown, where it's just like the little stringy plaque coming straight out of his chin. Please grow one of them. I'm one, I'm oh. one of those weird people who can't grow facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's very patchy anyway. Um, <laughs> then you will be baby-faced forever, Matt. Yeah. Um, so, baby-faced. is Foggy bisexual? <laughs> <laughs> It seems like it. It, it seems like he's coming on to It Matt. almost seemed like he was actually coming it, on to me. It almost yeah. sounded like they were breaking up, too. <laughs> I don't think he's coming on to Matt. I think he's just noticed that Matt's very good looking. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. And, and he sees that shit. as an advantage. Yeah. Because he's like, dude, when mm-hmm. I'm hanging out with him, that means I get the friends of any girl he's dating. Yeah. You we're, know? We're and Goose. Yeah. Foggy's going to die. Foggy's going to die. <laughs> Oh, they can but not until he's married. Yeah, exactly. He's gonna get married. <laughs> oh, I wish this was Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you want to see everyone doing a naked volleyball on the beach, like Fisk and Fisk and Wesley and Zealand? <gasps> oh my God, that would be wonderful. <laughs> More erotic volleyball, please, please, please. <laughs> not till episode thirteen, guys. Not till episode thirteen. <laughs> but it's coming, coming. So, okay, so in the, uh, let me go back to the present, and Foggy and Matt are in the apartment, and Matt has explained to Foggy what world on fire means, um, but he doesn't really sort of say, um, you know, this is how I see, he kind of explains it quite vaguely, because if someone went, oh, I see things like a world on fire, I'd be like, oh, but you're saying you can see, so I kind of understand why, you know, Foggy's a bit pissed off. Um, yeah. But, uh, so he kind of asked him if he blew up the buildings and stuff, and, I, and my other note is uh, Matt, and, Matt and Foggy's reaction both to the, the fact that Nobu was a ninja is hilarious <laughs> to me. <laughs> it just sounds, it sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud. Yeah. It does. It's so funny. I think he's some kind of ninja. And they're like, what? <laughs> Although it shouldn't sound ridiculous in the Ooh, universe where the Hulk, Hulk exists. Yeah. One of the other things I like in this scene is that, and I want to know what you guys think, and it's kind of like what you were saying, Natty, about Foggy being such an empathic person. He's so upset and angry that he has to lie to Karen. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah. Because he, he, w- he wouldn't otherwise. And because of Matt, he has to lie to Karen. And this is the difference between these two characters, as we see in this episode, that lying comes so easily to Matt. Because when, once you start watching the flashback scenes, you know, from sort of this point onwards, from the point that they first met, and you you see all the time how much Matt lies to Foggy, and it is kind of like I feel so bad for Foggy. Mm. Yeah, um, and there's one one point where, and I think this is later in the episode. It's hard to remember because of flashbacks, um, but where he he stumbles, you know, he's like mm-hmm. when they're talking about the spins, and he's like, well, it's harder for me because my senses. And he has to stop himself, and you can see he's just like, oh, shit. Mm. Uh, Is he drunk? Uh, yeah, they were both drunk. Yeah. But it, it like, he would never make that little mistake now. Mm-hmm. That that was kind of like his training period of lying, which is really sad because that's the foundation of their friendship. Yeah. 
And you just think how much different would things be if he told him then and there? I mean, obviously, they were both drunk, so he could probably yeah. laugh it off afterwards. But, like, how much different would it be if he told him the truth, like, then? Yeah. Like, I just, I want to I wanna hug Foggy when he when he's like, how many fingers am I holding up? And, he goes, <laughs> finger. and then he's like, one. And then that look on his face, I just want to hug him. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's such betrayal. Yeah. This is, it, it's great. This this episode is great because Foggy is, I, I, honestly, Foggy is just completely justified in this. I mean. Mm-hmm. Agreed, yes. He's been lying to him for five years, according to this timeline. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know. And, and Longer according to a now. real timeline. <laughs> yeah. And in the comics, even longer, like, you know, 40 years. Of years. Uh, yeah, and I, I obviously, you know, I love, I love Matt Murdock. He's one of my favorite characters, but I love how complicated he is. But in this case, I'm totally on Foggy's side. Yeah. yeah, and and getting back to like, I think what Mel said, where it, it seemed like they were breaking up. I mean, there is such a thing as having a relationship with somebody that is purely platonic, mm-hmm. but having it so intense that it is like a romantic relationship, and that I mean. I have had, you know, as there there is someone from my past that uh, I've I've known since I, I knew since I was five years old, and I refer to it as the divorce um, <laughs> when we broke up, basically. Yeah. And it was always platonic, but you know, you can have that kind of really intimate relationship and have it not be romantic or sexual at all. And I think that's how we're supposed to see um, Foggy and Matt is their their connection is that tight. I mean, Foggy yeah. doesn't feel at in have feel like he has any place in his own family. Matt has mm-hmm. no family. These guys are each other's family and they've tied their fates together so much. I mean, they're business partners, mm-hmm. they're best friends, they're everything. And as far as Foggy knows, he's like, I share everything with this guy. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was just holding back, you know, like his love life. But no, he's been lying to me. Mm-hmm. And Matt previously said as well to Stick that he has two friends, which is Matt and yeah. Cara, uh, Foggy and Kara. So yeah. it's not, they don't have any other friends going on. Like, Well, well plus he's discovering that he's Daredevil. He's the guy in the yeah. mask, which he hates. Yeah. yeah, he hates him. Yeah, exactly. But what, were you, what you were saying about a really intense relationship that's not romantic. Yeah, I, I can see that. And it's. Proven by the fact that the whole, skipping ahead, the whole thing ends with two grown men crying <laughs> in a room together, <laughs> yeah. which is something I don't think I've ever seen on TV or in movies. I don't know. It's awesome. Like, just so it's wonderful. Yeah. That they're just yeah. crying openly with each other. Mm. Yeah, and it doesn't seem out of place. It seems perfect for the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and I love, I love when he's, like, Matt starts, um, you know, going back to kind of where we were talking about, um, Matt starts tearing up when uh, Foggy starts, you know, it seems like Foggy doesn't believe that he might not have been the one that killed those two guys or uh, blew up buildings. Um, like, he, he, Matt, Matt is, like, tearing up because it's like, yeah, of course he wouldn't believe me because I've been lying to him so much. But then again, it's like, this is the guy that's supposed to know me the best, and he, he believes that I would be like that, that I would be a murderer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he says, uh, "Do you really have to? Ask, do you even have to ask me that?" And Foggy's yeah. kind of like, "Well, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about you." You know. <laughs> um, but uh, so the next scene, we get like the first scene away from the storyline, and we get uh, Fisk and Madame Gao meeting 
on, I think this is the Elevated Acre in New York, which is like a garden on top of a skyscraper. Um, Great location. Uh, it's so cool. We've seen it before. Have we? Is that yeah. in your Easter eggs or no? No. <gasps> okay, so. I think I know where we're seeing it. Yes, uh, we've seen it in the um, Kirsten Dunst and Tobey Maguire Spider-Man oh, movie. It's where yes. he drops her off after rescuing her during the first attack. Oh, you're right, from the Green Goblin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well spotted, Nutty. You get an Easter egg prize. In, yay! <laughs> Is it chocolate? Uh, uh, sure. It, it's, uh, it's been in some other things, but that's definitely a, uh, mm. a, a, a connection within Marvel. Isn't, We're going to need a fan of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um, what did you guys think of? Oh, sorry, Matt, go on. So, what would be? This is the Madame Gao scene, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would be the worst that could happen if he picked her up and tossed her off the roof? Well, well <laughs> she, she, could fly. She, she might fly <laughs> off. Like, yeah. 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 She's a witch. <laughs> yeah. She's got a broom hiding in there. She's got a witch in the white broom. <laughs> yeah. 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 Still needs her now, though. Yeah. Mm. Did but you guys? Did you guys notice the big, there's a big line in this scene, which is like, ooh, which is Madame Gao's talking about Nobu, and she says, he is a man of pride. She doesn't say he was a man of pride. She ooh. says he is a man of pride. He's going to be a zombie. What? He's a vampire. Yeah, I... a zombie ninja, the greatest Did thing ever. Did not notice that. Mm. Mm. Well, I've seen this episode like ten times. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I like Fisk how symmetrical this he, scene is. Yeah, oh, I know. Sorry, yeah. No, I was just going to say, Fisk says that he, rep- uh, he respects Gal, but he didn't respect any of the others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love how symmetrical the scene is set up. I love the fountain spray kind of dividing them. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what that's meant to symbolize, like the element of water being between them. Um, or if that's just a cool, like, you know, the director set that shot up, like, oh, that looks cool. <laughs> 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 I think it. I think it's probably it just looks cool unless they are both going to be attacked by Hydro Man, and he's going to attack. Or Hydra. Or Hy- Hydra Man. Hydra Man. Yes. Or he has many heads. Merman. He has many heads. <laughs> Merman's going to attack them. <laughs> I would love to hear from somebody who actually speaks Mandarin to find out, like, how was Vincent D'Onofrio's delivery of those lines? Yeah. They seemed good to me, but I don't speak Mandarin. Last episode, they didn't seem so good. Mm. Yeah, he's very more like, Yeah, he's a little bit better, yeah. Um, well, if people listen to the interview I did with um, Christos Gage and Ruth Fletcher Gage, they mentioned that one of the lines they wrote for Nobu, they, they say what the translation was of one of the lines they wrote for Nobu in episode nine, um, which was something like, it smells like a... Oh, I can't remember. You have to listen to the interview if you want to find out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so hopefully they'll reveal some of the other translations of the, the stuff they said that we don't get subtitles for. I love Fisk trying to justify the fact that, yeah, he totally straight up murdered Nobu. <laughs> was hoping to <laughs> murder both of them, but whatever. He's just like, I, I, I didn't say he had to go after the mask. I was like, any warrior, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and she you know. she's, she calls him on it. She's like, yeah, but you knew what kind of a guy he was. Yeah. And I thought that was, like, she she commands such respect. I don't know. Like, yeah, she's this feeble little old lady, but, I mean, she's scary. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, yeah, but you knew what he was going to do. You knew. Mm-hmm. She's so Love awesome. it. Yeah. Um, and we get, she says to uh, Fisk as well that, a there's conflict in him, and a man cannot be both a savior and an oppressor, and he must choose. 
Mm. Maybe he'll become a good guy, guys. Do you think we'll get an episode where where uh, Madame Gao throws her cane away and reveals that she's like a martial arts master? Yeah, and she'll just fight. Yeah, uh, to the death. Please, she is Electra. <laughs> she rips her skin off. <laughs> She's like, would you like to see her appear in like a a very you know not covering very much a very revealing red silk outfit, Mel? Yes. Awesome. Well, wait till episode twelve and we'll be happy. I think she can be a badass grandma if she wants to be. She's she's a, a total badass grandma. She's awesome. Yeah. I'm waiting for her to put on some sunglasses and turn into Madam Web. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Oh, Madam Web. Um, so next scene, uh, Ben and Doris are in the hospital, and we get um, a really lovely scene between the two of them. Um, I wrote. Oh, well, what are your your guys' thoughts about this scene first? Because I have a note about this. I don't think I put any notes about this scene except for that I don't like the shaky cam in this series. I'm not sure why they're using mm. so much shaky cam. Oh, I, didn't I noticed that last night when I watched it because I when I first watched this, I watched it on my big. 42 inch TV and when I rewatched it last night I was watching it on my iPad and the shaky cam drove me nuts on the iPad <laughs> I don't think I noticed any shaky cam like I don't tend to notice those things though, unless I'm watching a Bourne film in which I feel like I'm on a roller coaster because <laughs> they do it so much but well, this scene was uh, really sad. I mean, you know, uh, one of my biggest fears is just completely losing my mind. I think a lot of people appear that. It's just like, how often do they go through these moments of lucidity, you know? Mm. Like, how many times... Like, I was thinking how many times they've had this conversation, but then again, then I was like, well, maybe it's not like that. It's just, she just all of a sudden is back to square one again, and, you know, they start talking again. So. I think this scene is, like, beautifully played by both actors. Mm-hmm. But I am, I do think it is a bit of a quick and easy way of showing a storytelling. I think it's a bit of a, a shortcut because I, it, it feels like a bit of a trope to me, the whole thing of having a conversation and then they're lucid and then they go out of it again. Do you know what I mean? Like the way it's done. And even, I probably wouldn't feel that so much if we didn't see almost the exact same scene in Captain America, the Winter Soldier between Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter which is almost exactly the same, where the same beats in the scene. And so to me, it, I don't know, it just feels a bit tropey. But saying that, I, I, I'm glad they did it quick, because even though I love these two actors, I really just want to, at this point, after the Fisk scene with Madame Gao, even though I love them as well, I just want to get back to Matt and Foggy, because that, to me, mm. is where this episode is. I did have a thought about the writing process of television at this point about when they have like i wonder if it's very hard to come up with like a little you know just a little in joke that a couple shares between them you know with the hello Mm. gorgeous hello handsome thing Mm. but uh like how hard that would be to come up with for something for for a couple of people I'd love you to know. ask, like, Luke Couto about that, if that came from anything, you know, yeah. like any relationship he's had or, you know. Yeah, like you gotta, add, you got to add something like that to make them seem like they've known each other for years and, yeah. and yeah. genuine. That doesn't sound, like, cheesy or anything. It just totally reminded me of The Notebook, you know? Ah! <laughs> because she gets this, like, look in her eye like she has no idea who he is again. And it's so sad, and you see his heart breaking, and then, and then, luckily, it doesn't take all day for her. But uh, she goes back to the hello, gorgeous, and it's like, 
Oh, that's so devastating. But mm-hmm. it, it tells the story mm-hmm. so quickly. You don't have mm-hmm. to do, you know, a two-hour movie to explain that she keeps mm-hmm. forgetting who she is and has no short-term memory. I think and there's I, this part in the conversation where she asks if the doctor said anything or whatever, and he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, he's looking good or whatever. And you can tell in her eyes that she's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, he's lying to me, but I'll just let yep. it go. And, yeah, yeah, these two actors are so, so good. Like, I... I it's kind of I, I almost wish there was an extra episode in the series, not just because I, you know, I want an extra episode because I really would have loved for this episode to have played more as like almost like a uh, almost like a bottle episode, like a two parter where it's just Matt and Foggy and the flashbacks. Yes. You know what I mean? Because I, I really would have loved to have seen that play out in almost real time, like an hour conversation apart from the flashbacks. You know what I mean? Because I think it's such a big thing. But that might just be me being the big fan of their relationship. But then it would have meant that these little scenes could have breathed a bit more in a different episode as well. Um, but it's the same thing that with the Kingpin episode or the, the Wilson Fisk episode, uh, episode eight, I wish that there'd been a bit more time in the flashbacks of that as well. So you could have got to know that a bit more. So I think I'm just, what I'm saying is I'm just greedy and I want more Marvel, please. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how true is this to the, the comics? I don't know anything about Ben's backstory. So does this have anything to do with the comics? with the um, wife and all? Not really, because in the no. comics, they there's a story in which they adopt a, a boy called Tim. Tim who becomes Tim Urich, um, who in a storyline which I don't like very much, uh, later takes on the mantle of Daredevil from Daredevil. So Is he like Daredevil 2099? <laughs> he's like Daredevil, and he, he has like his own version of Stick as well that he trains with, which is um, Matt Murdock and Natasha Romanov's daughter, who's called Mapone, which is the worst <laughs> ever. But, uh, I, not- I am... I am the worst Daredevil fan because I was like, oh no, he turns into a, his son turns into a complete psychopath. And then I was like, oh no, wait, that's Batman with Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who, who his own version of Stick would be. Well, like, what else could you use as like a tiny beating him implement? Like, no, I mean the character Stick, not a Stick. <laughs> no, I know, but I mean, oh. like, what, what, would his, what would his name be? Like, a uh, rebar? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Beating people with little metal bars? Yeah. Little, little um, I don't know. Little triangle bars. It'd be James Rebar. <laughs> oh. yeah. So, next scene, uh, Foggy looks at Matt's costumes, um, and they talk a bit about uh, Stick, and Foggy's quite rightly a bit incredulous <laughs> and um they talk about matt being able to hear heartbeats and all that kind of stuff that would be a horrible revelation to know yeah. he's known every time you've ever lied to him he's known yeah he just went along with it it's like oh mm-hmm. that's that's yeah not good um, that's probably one of the biggest blows <laughs> that foggy takes it's like yeah every single conversation we've had any sort of thing you've tried to like be nice about or you know like Matt's well, like, do I look fat in this outfit? No. Well, if you said it like that, you could tell. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and and it shows it shows um, another credit to Foggy's character because he's like, wait, you've done that. That's how you knew Karen wasn't mm-hmm. lying. Yes. You listened to her heartbeat without her permission. Yeah. Like I love that he's thinking <laughs> about consent right there. Yeah. And yeah. that it to me is amazing. He's like, no, 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 you you can't do that. You can't just invade people's privacy like that. 
What is wrong with you? And I, you that's know, another a little reason. bit, to me, that's a little bit akin to when people are whispering and you overhear and you can't help overhearing <laughs> because, because you're right there. You know, mm. it's, I, 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 it's not like, I guess he says he can block it off, out, but really, like, he, he could still very well hear it too. Maybe, yeah. I feel like yeah. it's, not, it's not so much an issue of consent because could you imagine yourself? Oh, can I listen to your heartbeat? <laughs> you know, every time. Like, I feel like that's a little weird too. Like, well, yeah, well, it's public never knowledge that he no. could do that. I mean, it's yeah. pub- it, it's public knowledge whether or not you could, you know, if you're whispering to somebody, how loud you're whispering. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. But on the other hand, um, Foggy's still trying to understand like what Matt can do, you know. And so to to Foggy at this moment, it's an ability. So like he's thinking about it, like he's turning it on, like Superman's mm-hmm. using his X-ray vision, sort of a thing. And so it's 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 all coming from their perspective. Like on Matt's side, yeah, he he's gonna hear people's heartbeat because he he he's so in tune to everything. He can't help but notice these things, you know. Well, it, a, it's what, part of his training. What if Matt revealed he had X-ray vision too, and then Foggy'd be like, "Oh, you've seen me in my underwear too." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah true. They dorm together. He's seen him in his underwear. It's all good. Yeah, exactly. There's no, <laughs> there's no secret. I gotta go. I, I gotta go, guys. Okay. Oh, is, there, is, is the Mel oh. signal, signal showing in the sky? Yeah, it is. Oh. I'm gonna give you guys a uh, six out of ten perfectly round nipples. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have. Thanks, okay, bye. 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 There she goes. She's flying. Bye now. Bye. <laughs> um. So one of the thi- one of the issues I have with this episode, I was going to go into a bit when I do my score, but I might as well do it now. Is one of the things I, I because later on we get the story of how he kind of became dead, or not became dead, but became the mask. You know, the story about the the little girl crying and everything. Mm, Um, And one of the things, like I mentioned when we did episodes one and two, is I really feel like it has an emotional heart in the first two episodes of the relationship between Matt and Jack, like his dad, as though it is this huge relationship, which obviously is in the comics. And like even the fact here that when, you know, um, the fact that Matt keeps his costume under all this stuff to do with Jack... Um, and obviously in the comics, the reason he became like the mask or Daredevil is because he was avenging Jack's death. And I still prefer that as like the first thing he does to kind of put him on this path. But the problem is you can't then have him train with stick because you need him to be a young boy training with stick. If you have him as a young boy training with stick, that means that he would have been training with stick while Jack's alive. And I don't like that either. Do you know what I mean? So I understand why they did it in this in the show, but I when we get to that scene later, I'm kind of skipping ahead a bit. Um, when it's about the little girl, I I understand it, but the whole thing of that he just did snap one day, I'd prefer that it was that he went to find his father's killers. Um, I I kind of like that it's not a, a vengeance thing mm-hmm. for him. Um, yeah, I think I, it's more me being like, oh, I wish it was like the comics. I don't, yeah, think it, yeah. You know, I think it's that. But um, no, I can totally see that. But like for me, I think I think so many of the superheroes are mm-hmm. based fueled on vengeance for their parents or or something like yeah. that, some some big wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of neat to have someone just go, you know what, I just snapped because I couldn't see people getting hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, 
is is more it's definitely more in tune with somebody who has this code like I don't kill people. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's definitely more sustainable, I think. I feel like uh vigilantes from a believability standpoint, vigilantes that start out with this idea of vengeance, once they either get their vengeance or realize they're never going to get their vengeance, what's going to keep them in the game? Mm-hmm. Whereas this idea of I can't stand seeing people hurt anymore, they're always going to have something keeping them in the game. Yeah, yeah. it's There's about making the city be a better safe. place. They're always going to be, that's never something you're going to achieve because you could always make it even more of a better place. You know, it's an unreachable goal almost. You're never going to complete it. And I love how in this scene the, the ethics of, you know, uh, what he's doing is it actually right and how Foggy reminds him that, hey, you just told us that we could work with the law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you know, calling him out on being a complete hypocrite. And, of course, you know, he does the, uh, you know, sometimes the law's not enough or whatever, <laughs> whatever he says there. So, I am the law. I am the law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh, what's the next scene? Oh, the next scene is probably the most adorable flashback ever because I've drawn hearts <gasps> next to it. Yeah. Uh, Matt and Foggy are drunk and we get talk of avocados and... Great girl! Great Matt, girl. <laughs> Matt almost reveals his super senses. I've also got a note here that says when they're sitting talking on the steps... The Eldon Henson and Charlie Cox both have really nice teeth, I noticed. <laughs> I was like, oh, they've got such nice teeth. <laughs> Uh, what do you guys think of in this scene? I liked it because we barely ever get to see them be friends. Mm. Yeah, just be goofy together. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't excited at all about having Electra in this show. Oh, <laughs> but they started talking about a Greek girl, and I'm thinking in season two or maybe the next episode, I have no idea, we're gonna get another college flashback, and we're gonna, we're gonna, when we start, uh, setting up, uh, the Electra storyline, cause, I, I'm sure it's going to happen now. That's totally Electra. I love that little yeah. comment there. That was, I was just like, I'm watching it with my husband, and he's like, what about that Greek girl? And I go, oh! And my husband goes, what? Yeah. Like, it's Electra. He's talking about Electra. And he's like, what? You just said Greek girl. I'm like, yeah, but it's totally Electra. <laughs> and he's just like, it didn't work out, dot, dot, dot. And you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, there's more coming. It didn't work out. I can't be with someone named Electric Nachos. <laughs> <laughs> there's also another interesting thing in this scene about his relationships, which is, I think, where he says something like, it didn't work out, um... And he's saying about someone he can end up with. Um, I know. He, uh, I think Foggy says to him, "What are you looking for?" And he says, "I guess someone I really like listening to." I'd like to remind you in a previous episode when Karen is speaking Spanish, he lets her speak <gasps> Spanish because he really likes listening to her. Sweet. There you go. Yeah, I've seen this episode too many times. Uh, <laughs> and I have to say, the most adorable bit of this this scene for me, which I love, is when. Well, a lot of it, I'd, I'd really like to talk to the actors about it because a lot of this scene almost felt improvised, like they'd done it a few times and then they kind of added stuff, particularly the moment where Matt tries to trip up Foggy using the cane. That really felt like an improvised <laughs> thing, like Charlie Cox just did it and Eldon's like, because they're both laughing about it. But the moment where he's trying to get Foggy to say how hot the girl was in Punjabi and Foggy can't, and Matt jumps up and down laughing with glee, I think is my favourite <laughs> bit in the entire episode. It is so cute. I'm just like, 
Oh, I just have little hearts coming out my eyes at these two <laughs> in this scene. I'm like, oh, I love them so much. I love the running gag of Spanish in this. Yes. <laughs> and that Foggy can't speak it and, 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 and Matt can. And it just, I, you know, cause it's been going through the whole series, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Love it. And I just, true, I love yeah. the little hints like that because it, it shows that there is a depth of a relationship here, that there is a history. Mm-hmm. That is more than five years, people. Um, <laughs> there's a history between these characters. And I just, I love the little things like that about this series. And I think that's what makes it feel real to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I should say as well, with the whole thing, we get the introduction in this scene of the Bestam avocados, which is adorable. Um, <laughs> that has become a massive thing on the fandom. Like, I don't know if you guys yeah. know. I My husband so and I call avocados lawyers now. And lawyers <laughs> avocados. You like some, some lawyers in your guacamole? Well, yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some, uh, some deep fried lawyers now. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many like t-shirts on Redbubble of best damn avocados. There's so many like fan drawings of Foggy and Matt as little avocados. It's so cute. <laughs> like they're everywhere. I posted one in like the Facebook group a while ago as a tease for you guys, but I was like, you won't know what this means until episode this episode. So, yeah, it's huge. So it's quite cute. What's the next scene? Oh, next scene is Ben in the office is looking at a leaflet about the hospice, and oh, I feel so bad for him. Oh, by the way, I love that the last scene as well ends with with like them laughing, like it kind of carries over into the next scene because it's all about you know it, it's such a. Uh, it's so opposed to like how they are at this moment in the present day. Um, so Ben is chatting with Ellison, who is the, the chief, um, and Ellison offers him a better job, which is as an editor and has better benefits. But um, so Ben kind of thinks about it because obviously they, he needs more money because he wants to take some time off to look after Doris. And Ellison is very busy chasing Terminators. <laughs> and Sorry. I'll be old. I'm sorry, can we just say, and I'm sure Matt will agree with me, this whole nonsense with his wife would not happen in Canada because he wouldn't uh, have to worry about insurance. Mm-hmm. This is so stupid. I hate this. Or in the UK. Yeah. It just, like, come on. I, and I say this as an American, okay? But and as an American freedom. who lived without health insurance for so long and having moved to Canada and loving, loving the socialized medicine. People? Yeah, totally jealous of that. This is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, well, my my husband and I we went to Balticon last uh, two weeks ago, and uh, our roommate is from New Brunswick, right? So Canadian room, whatever. And we're back in the room at one point, and my husband goes, "Do you notice the amount of like big lumps on people's heads and all of these things?" He's like, "There are so many medical conditions." that people are just living with down here mm-hmm. because of the screwed up medical system. Yeah. Whereas in Canada, you get a lump on your head, you get it removed. Mm-hmm. And, and not to like, I'm not, I'm not shaming anyone that's got a lump on their head, but I mean that <laughs> there are medical conditions that people just live with for no reason. And how many times are we watching TV shows and it's like, oh, well, I can't because I can't afford the doctors, so I can't get my kid the treatment they need. And it just makes me angry. And I don't mean to turn this into something political, but I'm look, watching this and I'm like, there is no reason why he should have to sit there and go, I can't afford to keep my wife alive. Like, this is just, yeah. it infuriates Daddy. me. 
Nadi, why yeah. do you hate freedom? Why do you hate I, freedom? <laughs> freedom isn't free. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I agree with you. It's something that we see a lot as yeah. as non-Americans. We see these storylines and they're just totally not relatable at all. Yeah, same same for me, obviously, as well. With you know, yeah. We've got the NHS and they do some stuff that I don't agree with, but I would not swap them for the world. Um, and they're very understaffed currently now. So the next scene, um, so Karen arrives at the office and is surprised because there's a box on the desk and a surprise Ben Urich because he's like, because she, she left the office unlocked. I was like, Karen, what are you doing? Where yeah, right. is she from? Is she oh. from like some tiny little town where you don't have to lock your doors? I don't know. Because no one in New York leaves their also, doors unlocked. This is, uh. But also they're lawyers. So even thinking they might not have any valuables, but they've got files on clients. They've got private information. Like... What are you doing? It, 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 it's so bizarre. Because, like, when I lived in New York, most of the doors automatically locked. Mm-hmm. So, like, you got to work at not locking your door. Yeah, I don't know what she's doing. Um, <sighs> but he basically leaves her all of his evidence on the Fisk story um, because it's not the most important thing to him. It is important, but it's not the most important thing because Doris is. Oh. Uh, and then uh, we see that Karen is obviously up to something because she invites him to go and see a nursing home. Is this the... Somebody says truth, justice, and all of that. I wrote that down. Oh, that's foggy, I think. Later on, when oh. they're talking about when they're going to go and save the world or something, I think. Oh, darn it. Um, oh, in the that's next right. scene, we get another adorable moment, which is Wesley is tying Fisk's bow tie for him! <laughs> I can't take how adorable this episode is. It's Wesley. It's killing me. Wesley, could you help me? My, uh, my fingers are too fat. Oh, well, and, and, and Madame Gao said, I don't think I've ever seen you without him. Um, <laughs> see, there's another bro TP going on. There's so many bro TPs. Oh. Imagine if Wilson lied to Wesley. <laughs> never happened. Would never nope. happen. I don't believe Apparently, him. Toby Leonard <laughs> Wesley Moore. wouldn't care. <laughs> Toby Leonard Moore, who, says, who plays Wesley, said that he practiced this scene by tying bow ties on his leg. <laughs> Which is really cute. <laughs> Just it, home practicing. It, it is hard to tie someone else's tie. I've tried it before. I was like, oh, I know how to tie a tie. I'll help you. Shit. And like, <laughs> half an hour later, like, uh, just try to follow me. It's just like, oh, let's do this. They talk about Nobu, and uh, Fisk wants Leland to go and speak to Gal. Yep. Mm. Good old Owsley. Maybe Gal will throw him off the roof and he will fly away because we know that he can fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if uh, at the end, if uh, that's all a result of whatever Leland told Gao, if he teamed up with Gao and they're mm-hmm. trying to kill Wilson. Uh, <gasps> should, should we? Uh, I wrote a bunch of stuff about that. We can talk about it then. <laughs> yeah, okay. go ahead. I'm so confused. Right. I was confused too. <laughs> Uh, so then we go back to Matt and Foggy, and Brett has phoned up to say that the junkie that killed Elena either uh, killed himself or was killed, and uh, Matt seems to think that Fisk had him killed. Um, and then he says that he's never gone that far, he's never killed anyone. And um, we get another flashback to Landman and Zack. And it's very uh, Erin Brockovich, the case they're doing, because it's all like this yeah. company made this guy sick and... Um, you know, and now they decide they're going to sue him for damages because he released inf- private information to his doctor. I mean, it's pretty despicable. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Um, and then we... The, that, that line actually came earlier. I forgot to mention truth, oh, justice, okay. and all of that. That's actually... 
Um, I wanted to say that Frank Langella as Perry White says that in Superman Returns. <laughs> oh. But, yeah. <laughs> I even forgot he was in that. I just think Frank Langella and I think Skeletor. <laughs> Skeletor. When Skeletor was Perry White. When Skeletor was running the Daily Planet, he said that. Yeah, I, I, yeah he's great, Skeletor. <laughs> I love that film. It's terrible, but I love it. Um, <sighs> so then we see their office, which is like the worst office ever in <laughs> but I did make a note that I said that I think Wash from Firefly would be very envious of Foggy's collection of little plastic dinosaurs on his desk because yep. he yeah. has plastic dinosaurs um, and Matt is reading Thurgood Marshall again which we saw him reading in episode 2 Yes. and they do the fist bump of bromance <laughs> and it's adorable what do you guys think do you think Foggy made the right like Foggy's very easily convinced that they should leave you know, this company, Lemon and Zach. Do you think it's adorable that he's like, I'll go wherever you go, because I love you. Oh, yeah. yes. I think the best part of the decision is that he decided to steal as many bagels as he could. Absolutely. He could get a lot of bagels in that box. I'm re- I want to see a scene of him just creeping around, stealing <laughs> bagels <laughs> to the Mission Impossible weekend. So I was just like, mm, bagels are really good. <laughs> I can't eat bagels unless they're whole <sighs> gross, gluten-free ones, and... So thanks I'll for the information. Me feel bad. I'll eat an extra one for you today. <laughs> like, it's okay, Claire. Claire. It's not like you could get good bagels anyway. So, mm. except mm. when you come to New York. Well, I'm coming to New York soon, so <laughs> I, I will know. Have to I know. Bagel. Yeah, I will have to have a bagel then, even if it makes me ill. I don't mind. <laughs> uh, then we go back to Foggy and Matt are in the apartment. It's a very short scene where he tells him, "Say what you need to say," and I kind of wish that. That came before the ne- after the next scene, so we went straight into their argument um, because it seems a bit weird that he's like, "Say what you need to say," and then it goes to Ben and Karen driving. It just seems a bit of a weird editing choice. Yeah. Uh, they go to Saint Benazet, and Karen wants to have a look around. So, what do you guys think she was up to at this point? Because obviously, it's a bit weird the way she's acting. My mum last night watching this episode, no idea who any of these characters are. Were like, "She's up to something. What's she up to? Why is she really <laughs> for him here? Who's that old woman?" And I was like, "Mum, just watch, and you'll find out." <laughs> I was very intrigued about what she was doing, and I was like, "Where is this leading?" But then, about halfway through her conversation with the old lady, I figured it out. Mm. Yeah. I kept on just kind of focusing on how gorgeous she is. <laughs> She's really gorgeous. You're like that old man who's like, you're very pretty. <laughs> That's, that was me. Robin I was falling that, right behind going, what he said. Robin says that to his screen every every time we watch. Oh, yes. that's pretty. Yeah. My wife's like, I hate watching the show with you. <laughs> <laughs> you always talk to the TV. Stop telling that fictional character she's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> So now we go back to Foggy and Matt, and Foggy is properly angry now and wants to know, how do you go from having powers to becoming a vigilante? And this is where we get the new sort of origin of him fighting uh, fighting for, for people. And the, little, the story he tells about this little girl is really horrible. Yeah. Uh, but Matt beats the crap out of this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know his headband, like, slipped down around his nose. Yeah. Like, Dude, that's keeping your hair back. What, his headband? You mean over his eyes? What do you want about? <laughs> I just about? thought it was weird that he decided to have this thin band around his eyes. Like, is that supposed to protect his identity? I don't know. Maybe. They could know. say, well, he had really pretty eyes. I guess he's just hiding the fact that he's blind because it's a descriptor for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They could go, well, his eyes didn't focus on anything, and then they'd be like, oh, we're looking for a blind guy who's really buff. Hey, you, Matt Murdock. Yeah, it's more, that instead of that, it's of... like, I don't think he can see anything. I don't know if he's blind or anything, but he definitely had something around his eyes. 
But that reminds me of there's this meme, it's tweets from superheroes. And I think it's between Jessica Jones and, and Matt Murdock. And it's like, she says something about him being Daredevil. And he's like, what? I'm not Daredevil. What makes you think I'm Daredevil? And she's like, you're the only ripped blind guy in Hell's Kitchen. And he's like, I'm the only ripped blind guy, period. And he's like, oh, I see your point. <laughs> There's another one that, like that was funny. It's between Man and Foggy, where Foggy goes, "I really don't, don't see. Uh, I really don't see what you like about Electra." And then he writes back, "Oh crap, I'm sorry." It's just like, <laughs> 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 There's um, also one between him and Spider-Man, and and <laughs> Matt's like, he's like, "What? What? What do you mean? You? You? Oh, they're talking about. He's like." Can you tell me who Kingpin is? And he's like, he's Kingpin. He's the guy in the, the, the white suit. And he's like, no, but like, who is he? And he's like, he's Kingpin. And he's like, you know, I need to find him. And he's like, well, look for the guy in the white suit. And he's like, you do realize I'm blind, right? Wait, you're blind? Like, how, how do you do that? <laughs> and there's this running gag that Spider-Man doesn't get that he's blind. And I think that's referencing to the fact that Spider-Man just never gets that Hawkeye's deaf. Oh yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, so does Matt taste the blood of this guy he just beat up? I think he's feeling his own. I think he's feeling his own lip because he cut his lip. Yeah, oh, okay. maybe he's smelling the blood on his fingers. I think he's just like, oh crap, there's a lot of blood now. Whether it's his or the guy's, and it's the kind of he remembers what he promised his dad. Like, oh shit! Now I have to get tested. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it tastes like old pennies. <laughs> oh, oh, blood smells gross. Whenever I see like a vampire story, and they're like, "Ooh, sucking the blood," I just think, oh, uh, uh, uh. it'll be like having a mouthful of old, gross, dirty money." Ugh, it's horrible. Like, ugh. Yeah, but when you're a vampire, vampires you're are the worst, is what I'm saying. I much prefer werewolves. <laughs> I I I do a podcast for a zombie show, and the, there's there's a couple times where it's just like, yeah, the, the taste of brains is completely awful, but it's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you just want it, you want it. That's true. It's like me and cherry pie. Uh, I just want it. So we then see, so obviously his first costume, you know, is pretty similar to what we see him wearing in the show, apart from the little band across his eyes. Um, and then we go back to the present day where Matt says that he, Bobby said maybe he can't stop and Matt says I don't want to stop. And it's like, <gasps> oh, that's not a healthy thing to say. <laughs> Didn't he say like this is this happened this happened after he, they quit Landman and Zach? It was so, shortly after, yeah. Because so then like it leads to, it leads directly into um, the flashback at the end of the episode, which is them in the bar. Matt's hurt himself, and that's he hurt himself from the this fight. Yeah. So yeah, it's I like the way that they do that. It's cool. Um, really cool. So next scene is Ben and Karen speaking to Mrs. Vistain. Uh, asking about her husband and then her kids, and they find out about Fisk killing his dad. What's going to happen with this information, guys? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they can do with that. Uh, they can tell him he's a liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> I mean, how can they prove it? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe they'll get some proof. Maybe they won't. Yeah, I was surprised. Like just last episode, they, they they like it's on public record that Fisk's mother died like a year after, but she's gotten married twice already. Mm. <laughs> yes, I legally married a dead woman. What? <laughs> I I can't help but wonder if part of one of those marriages was at Fisk's urging, Maybe. because it means that um, it means that her identity changes. You know, mm. makes her. Yeah. 
less of a connection to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's more than just a name change, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't know. I feel like we're supposed to be all shocked. Oh my God, he killed his father kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But really, I don't know. I, I'm like, good for you, little Wilson Fisk. I mean, <laughs> he was beating up you and your mom. He was horrible and you saved yourselves. So that's, you know, not such a bad thing. Like that doesn't mean that you're going to grow up and become a supervillain. Well, I mean, it, like they say in this episode, you know, Madame Gal says he has a choice, so it's yeah. like he could still be good. And mm-hmm. I really think he could. I think it's whether he makes the decision to or not. He could. It's like Matt. Matt could go either way. He could be yeah. good or bad. One of the things that's so great about this series is that it is not uh, Dare, just Daredevil's origin story. Mm-hmm. It's It's Kingpin's origin story. And I don't think we've ever seen that before. No, I love it. Well, kind of like in the original Batman film, you know, where it was kind mm-hmm. of the Joker's origin and Batman's origin. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But if, I mean, if I didn't want to call the Joker. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't like the fact that they tied their origins in so closely together in that. But yeah. that's the only other Ugh. example I can really think of. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I guess maybe in the Thor movie because you know that kind of becomes Loki's origin. That are like that. Yeah, yeah but I'm just trying to think of one as interesting because a lot of them it's like the now I shall be evil. I think know. the difference is this is in a TV show and it's span over many episodes. Yeah, so you're getting a lot of it. You know, it's yeah. not like you know, uh, uh, like on Batman the animated series, you'd see the villain's origin story in like the first five minutes of the episode, mm-hmm. that sort of a thing. I yeah. just like to put uh, my complete DVD collection of Smallville at your feet and walk away. <laughs> okay, 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 you're I'm, right. I'm like, a match yeah. on it right now, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some lighter fluid. Um, hey. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't get my DVDs wet. <laughs> but uh, Vincent D'Onofrio <laughs> does still uh, uh, win out against uh, what's his name Rosenberg somebody Rosenbaum. Oh, I'd Rosenbaum, love to see those two in a scene together. Two I would love to see them in a together. scene together, but I still think that Vincent D'Onofrio beats him. But he's Vincent Rosenbaum, still a million times better than Jesse Eisenberg. That's all I gotta well, say. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I don't. Oh, I, I don't. I mean, yeah. I'm biased, but, you know, I haven't even seen the second Man of Steel movie yet. The second Man of Steel movie? What? Yeah, well, there's a sequel to Man of Steel. It's Batman. That's Batman rubbish. Rubbish. It's, there's no way. It's, it's not a second Batman. It's not a second Superman film. It's called Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. They've the even actor. put Batman's, Batman's name first. It's no it's way a sequel to Superman. It's, uh, yeah, it is. It's, it's, a sequel in, it's a sequel in the same universe, but it's not a Superman sequel. There's no way. How can it not be if it's the same actor and it's like... But that's like saying that The Avengers is a sequel to Thor. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not. It's a, it's, a, it's a film that comes out in the same universe, but the focus isn't on that character. It's the team-up movie for that universe. They're trying to say it is a sequel, but it's it's a team-up movie. It's got Wonder Woman in it. It's got Aquaman in it. It's got everyone in it. Again, we're talking about a movie we haven't seen. (laughs) And it means that I don't have to watch Man of Steel to watch it. That's good, because it's terrible. Hey, listen. Anyway, let's get back to Stato. Get back to Stato. Kevin Costner waves to you and flies away. (laughs) Anyway. So, um... So I want to retire at St. Benazette 
I want to retire there. Me too. Like, like Mrs. Bissane's got a huge television. I was like, that's bigger than my TV. I want one. But yeah. the security's kind of lax. Yeah, people just wandering in and out. <laughs> it's beautiful, though. It, like, it reminds me of, um, oh, what's that movie? It's with Maggie Smith, and they're all, like, opera singers in a retirement home in oh, the UK. Any the Three oh, Centers? I don't know. No. I was thinking of the one where... Cortez. Cortez. Yes, oh, Georgia. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, I, I, when I watch that movie, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they all live in such a beautiful manner. This is just gorgeous. We all live like that in the UK. Like, I'm in a big manor <laughs> house right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> I have servants. I've, my butler just bought me a glass of pins. I'll have them there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, talking of uh, butlers... In the next scene, we're at a big event, uh, and Fisk is speaking publicly. Wesley is listening as though he's listening to the words of Jesus himself. I was like, he loves him so much. Yes. Like, they're so in love. I love it. This is uh, so inspiring, what he's saying. I, I will follow you wherever. I love you. Um, and then he's blinking. It says love you on his eyes. Yes. Oh, that was so cute. Oh. I love you. So, so in this scene, uh, Wesley is the puppy dog. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fisk is the penguin. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm getting such a Batman Returns vibe here. Because it's, I mean, obviously Danny DeVito, way bigger cartoon character in that movie yeah. because of the tone of the movie. But this is definitely like this guy is so like gruff and like it's like not the most pleasant to hear talker but he's saying yeah. things like i want to do good for this city or whatever and but yet you look at him and it's like yeah this is a guy that's probably killed a few people <laughs> yeah they just yeah. dressed not, him up i think i mentioned odd that. in new york what what not odd in new york you know <laughs> you you go to these kind of community rallies things and the people who are speaking about doing good things for the city you look at them and you're like yeah he's buried a few bodies <laughs> What were you gonna uh, say, Matt? I've, I've mentioned how this re- this whole thing with with him fundraising and all that reminds me of uh, Batman Returns as well and the Penguin. It just makes yes, me, it makes me want to see Wilson Fisk bite somebody on the nose, <laughs> and then <laughs> eat a raw fish, and then just randomly scream, "Burn, baby, burn!" <laughs> he would do it. He would. He would totally do that. Well, if he was bad enough. Why would you say that in public? <laughs> I'm running for office. Burn, baby, burn. <laughs> anyway. Oh, like, crap. I forgot to mention how, like, the, you had that parallel with, um, in the Matt flashback, beating that guy to death, basically. And his fists are all bloody. It just looked exactly like what Wilson was doing to him in the previous episode. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I thought that as well. It's really. I, I love how. Uh, sorry, I'm getting a phone Lucky call. Superhero music. I, she just won a battle. Whoa. Now they just won a Final Fantasy battle. Under your nutty beat. So, okay, is Leland in on it? That's the question. What do you guys I think, think? I think he is, because he looked at his drink and he's like, uh, I should probably be aghast uh, or whatever at this, so I'll drop it. I don't know. He didn't seem... Well, maybe he was worried that he was going to get poisoned. Yeah. Well, yeah, he should have been, but he looked like he was fake worrying that he was going to be... Okay. I don't know. He didn't look (sighs) as shocked as I suspect he would. I don't know. Like, let's break it down. I mean, he he did go talk to Gao, and then he is the one that offers Fisk the drink, and Fisk ends up, you know, waving it towards Vanessa. But he is also, like, he doesn't... He doesn't seem at all, like, worried or has any sort of 
he just keeps talking to Vanessa as Vanessa's drinking. He's not, and he's not like, he's not showing any sort of indication that anything is going on behind his eyes. It's just, he's just talking, he's complaining about the event or whatever. and <laughs> He doesn't react. It's just, I don't know. I think he didn't know. I, I'm, I want to think he did because he's super awesome and he's the owl. Uh, but I don't, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. Okay. Matt, prediction, do you think he's in on it? Yes. Okay. So we have one of each. We'll see who's, who's right next yes. time. We will. I just love Leland. I have to make that known. He is such a great character, and every time he's on the screen, I am happy. Yeah, he's awesome. And he's wearing his green suit in this scene as well, which is his owl suit. Yeah. Very cool. So um, what I wanted to say before, uh, I was rudely interrupted by... Yes, my battle music. Um, (laughs) uh, I love how in this series they keep, as I said, it's it's an origin story for Daredevil and it's an origin story for the Kingpin, but it shows how they are reflections of each other so Mm -hmm. often. Mm -hmm. And that whole, what Robin had pointed out, how his fists being all bloody mimicked Kingpin in a previous episode, and it's so great that you see that because we've got this idea of, Okay, you're out there fighting the good fight and you're you're trying to be a superhero, but are you doing it for the right reasons? Mm-hmm. Uh we bring up this whole point of I can't stop or I don't want to stop. Are you doing this for the right reasons? I don't kill. Yeah, but you put that guy in a coma. Are you yeah. doing this for the right yeah. reasons? Yeah. You know, do you actually enjoy it? And I love that we're getting into the nitty gritty and the gray of it all. Mm-hmm. Well, like the discussion we had with uh, between him and um, the father in the last episode was all about, you know, the gray and morality and everything is, you know, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so then we get into uh, the next scene between Matt and Foggy. Um, so Matt has obviously slowly got dressed um, and everything. And, him and Foggy are having a sort of big argument in this scene. Uh, there's a great quote about Hanukkah, which I have as one of my quotes. But this is where <laughs> Foggy really gets into Matt, and Matt actually starts to cry, and so does Foggy. And, and the bit that breaks my heart is where Foggy says that he, if if it was in, if they were swapped, he would have told Matt. And Matt says, "You don't know that." And Foggy says, "Yes, I do." And I'm like, "Yeah, he would have. He totally would have." You think? I also yeah, don't. Absolutely. Think. No, he would have. Foggy mm. definitely would have told Matt. Maybe. I agree. I agree. I don't think Foggy could not tell Matt. Mm. <laughs> if something is important to him, he has to tell him. Yeah. And this is why I love this portrayal of Foggy, because I really believe that. John Favre? No way. Would he tell him anything? <laughs> yeah. He could keep secrets, but this Foggy, yeah, he would totally tell Matt. And I love it. And it breaks my heart. And then Foggy leaves, and my heart breaks again. <laughs> And they don't meet each other again for the rest of the series, guys. Oh, Spoilers. Why'd you spoil us? I think Robin's gone. He couldn't take no, I'm here. I'm just on you. I'm sorry. That's all. I thought you were upset that, you know, we're not going to get Matt and Foggy interacting ever again. Yeah, I... It's just shocking. <laughs> <laughs> but, or you're not telling the truth. I can't tell. I can't hear your heartbeat. Well, I don't have a heart. Put that Don Johnson song at the end of this uh, episode, by the way. No. Um, so then we get our last flashback with them in Josie's bar, and they have we have the napkin that they discussed in the last episode, I think. 
And again, like after the last scene in which, you know, Bobby's basically saying that Matt lied to him and everything, it's, it's kind of uncomfortable watching this scene because he's obviously lying to Poggy right now, you know, saying about falling over, taking the trash out. And and Foggy is so open with Matt in this scene where he's like, oh, you know, um, we're going to tell each other everything and all this. And Matt's like, yeah, there's no one else I'd rather be doing this with. And it's just really sad for me anyway, because he's, you know, that he's lying to Foggy. Mm-hmm. It is very sad. This is when I should tell you guys that I have actually been a superhero for the years that I've known you. And <laughs> I have superpowers. And I just never you know. liar. Yeah, I'm a How could you do this? Yeah. I'm crying now. <laughs> I can hear the tears. And then in the very last scene, Foggy bins the little Nelson and Murdoch sign. No, and sad Daredevil theme. Yeah, sad Daredevil theme. That's so easy to pick out of that trash bin, though. He's just throwing it out the window. <laughs> <laughs> so you think they're going to... So what do you think? Do you think they're going to be friends again next episode? No, maybe at the end of next episode. By the end of next episode. Robin, what do you think? Um, I think uh, Fisk is going to go into uh, a bit of a fury as a, uh, a uh, for revenge for Vanessa against uh, Gal, and I'm thinking that Foggy and Karen are going to get caught in the crossfire, and Matt's going to have to save them, and Foggy will begrudgingly then have to talk to them, talk to him. Okay, uh, Nutty, do you think Vanessa is dead? I've, I've, Actually, I've you've seen, seen the whole thing, haven't you? Yeah, I've seen it all. Did you think the first <laughs> well, time you saw it? <laughs> um, the first time I saw it, um, I knew enough about who I thought the character was, where I was like, um, I'm not so sure what's going to happen, and I don't think that I didn't I didn't think that they were going to kill her. Mm-hmm. But I was a little scared that they might, um, because but I. Because I was hoping that she would evolve into the character that I thought she was. Okay. If that makes any sense at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I, yeah, that's fine. Okay, yeah. well now it is time for quotes. And I imagine there's quite a few for this week. So, Matt, you go first. Yes. Uh, right, that was your quote? That was great. Okay, next. Yes! <laughs> so, I don't sorry, know, Matt. Who said it? Um, <laughs> misspelling Hanukkah is a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. Um, I've got a Foggy one as well, a Foggy and Matt one, which is, come on, you got your peepers knocked out saving that old dude. <laughs> they didn't get knocked out. Good, because that would be a little freaky. No offense. Nutty? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, what's Spanish for lawyers? Avocados. We're going to be the avocados. No. Uh, <laughs> El grande avocado. Yeah, avocados. <laughs> <laughs> Robin? Um, this is Wilson. I may have saved the mayor's baby, but I refuse to save a mayor who stood by helpless as a baby while Gotham City was ravaged by a disease that turned Eagle Scouts into crazed clowns and happy homemakers into cat women. This kind of sounds familiar. I don't know why. <laughs> Best bit of the episode, though, obviously. Uh, Matt, here's a quote I'm going to say um, that is one that, that Leland says, but it could kind of be me saying it to you as well, Matt. You ready? Oh, okay. Okay. I find you unsettling half the time. You don't see me lighting a match. <laughs> not really, Matt. I love you. What I do. <laughs> it's only because Mel's not there for me to throw abuse at. Do you have yeah. any other quotes? <laughs> I had I had one, but I can't uh, remember it. I saw it. No, I can't remember it exactly. 
That's fine. <laughs> my mom wanted me to be a butcher. I think she just wanted free ham or something. Yeah. <laughs> I have a f- couple more quotes myself. Um, you keep sweet talking. I'm going to climb in there with you. <laughs> and I'm saying that to Matt as well. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> well, Mel's away. The Matt will play. <laughs> And of course, um, sure, whatever. We're all in this together, right? What's left of us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Do you have any others? Uh, me and you, pal. We're gonna have big fancy offices one day with steel and glass and chairs, and you don't even know how to sit in. <laughs> Murdoch and Nelson, attorneys at law. Nelson and Murdoch sounds better. You think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trust me. I can't see worth shit, but my hearing's spectacular. Me and you, pal. We're gonna do this. We're gonna be the best damn avocados this city has ever seen. Best damn avocados. Oh, my heart is breaking right now. Hashtag best damn avocados. Best yeah. Hashtag hashtag best damn avocados. I've got one more, which is a foggy one as well, which is so a blind old man taught you the ancient ways ways of martial arts. Isn't that the plot to kung fu? Uh, I I have a a foggy quote. Um, Hey, everybody, I'm Blind Matt Murdock. (laughs) (laughs) I love that bit so much. What what is it he he says that? He's like, or just Matt Murdock. Murdock. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm Blind Matt Murdock. (laughs) And now it's time for feedback. So, I am going to play a voicemail. Should we get the uh, foggy hating voicemail out of the way first? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I don't know. We have to talk about it every week. <laughs> I guess well, we can, everyone can talk about whatever they want. This yeah. one is from Michael. Hello, my feedback for episode 10, the foggy episode. Yeah. Called Foggy. I mean, just what a shit show. Jesus. Um, <laughs> modern day Foggy. Alright, yeah, okay, I can see where people might like him, but not my cup of tea personally. But College Foggy. The, the worst of all human beings. Uh, other than that, the Fisk uh, party scene, pretty good. Fisk and Gal, I, I, I kind of liked a little bit. Um, Fisk's mom, Karen and Ben, go find her, so that was cool. But. <laughs> Way, way, way too much foggy. Way too much of a guy who's really not that good on the show. That that was a huge weak point. This was really the episode that completely turned me on him. I was just like, whoa, when I watched it the first time. Rewatching it the second time, uh, the college scenes were the worst, but the other scenes were just like, I kind of just tuned them out. So, uh, not a bad episode. Moves the story a little bit. I just... For me, I just don't care about that one character. So, I know he's a favorite of everybody. Just, just doesn't work for me. Sorry, Claire. <laughs> he's, uh, he's worse than Mulder. I'm wow. Sorry, he's worse. So, so that's not that actually that bad. bad. <laughs> that's really bad. <laughs> worse. This one is from Tammy. Okay. <clears throat> I love this episode when I first saw it. On my second rewatch, I think it's my favorite. The flashbacks are so well done, I totally understood Matt and Foggy's friendship for the first time and believed in it completely, which was essentially, or, which was essential for this familiar superhero plot beat to have spe- specific, oh no, specificity and impact. <laughs> <It's a> hard <laughs> word. Everyone, 
Everyone involved really made it work. This is more than just lying about super strength or ninja skills or the usual superhero issues. Matt lies about his entire way of navigating the world. That's a lot to deal with. Mm-hmm. It's also nice to see a lighter, fun side of Matt in the past. I didn't know he had it in him. He's generally so stoic or tortured, yet it was also good to see him feeling bereft at the loss of his best friend. Not because I'm a sa- sa- sadist? Sadist? Sadist. <laughs> sadist. sadist. Yeah. Um, uh, but just be, but just because it's such a human, relatable emotion, having nothing to do with all the weight of the world, daredevil musings. Okay, maybe I like to see men cry a bit. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice to know they care enough about their bros to cry about losing them. Sometimes you gotta wonder. I could go on and on with how incredibly moving and smart all their interactions were, but I'll spare you. What else happened? Probably awesome stuff, but who cares? Enjoy enjoying your podcast muchly, Tammy, with an I. Thanks, Tammy, with an I. And one M. Thanks, Tammy. Because we have yeah. another Tammy who listens, which is Tammy with two M's and a Y, but this is Tammy, Tammy with an I. <laughs> and I'm sure there's lots of, like, non-vocal Tammies with mm. I's and Y's that haven't written into us, so you there's should get on that. all the Tammies that are out. Come on. Yeah. We only accept feedback from Tammies. <laughs> yeah, new rule. Blue star movie, Tammy. Uh, okay. Do you want me to read the one from Heidi since I'm a female voice? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> it just, it, it, wait, Tammy's I also female. Tammy Damn it. <laughs> Cut that part out then. Make me sound stupid. <laughs> uh, hey, guys. We've reached my favorite episode of season one. I have grown to love both of these characters so much in just 10 episodes that when they are arguing back and forth, I'm on both their sides. I'm going, yeah, Foggy, Matt should have told you. And then, but Matt was just trying to help people and didn't want you to get hurt. I love that Foggy just dismisses Matt's whole world on fire explanation. He's just so hurt. Aw, I want to give him a hug. Me too, Heidi. Uh... I am such a sucker for the best friend finding out the hero's secret identity. One of my favorite parts of Smallville is Chloe finding out about Clark's powers. And I hear Robin excited about that. (laughs) (laughs) I like how it goes back to them every little while. And and sometimes they're yelling. Sometimes they're just sitting there. Good for Matt. Saving that first little girl. I'm not one to promote violence, but for a father molesting his daughter, give it to him. And then crying foggy leaves. Sob. And the flashbacks. I love them. Maverick and Goose, El Grande Avocados. And we see how they decide to go into practice together. I think one of the newbies were wondering if this would happen on one of the podcasts. Karen stoops pretty low, tricking Ben into checking out that home so they can question Fisk's mother. I agree. That was pretty low down and dirty. Uh, she's quite genius for figuring it out, though. When Madame Gao was talking to Fisk about choosing, all I could think was that Melanie Gao... <laughs> Melanie Gao has a thing for Fisk, and that's why she doesn't like his new girlfriend. Oh, and I forgot the poisoning in this one. Who do the newbies think is behind it? Anyway, 10 out of 10 grande avocados. I love it so much. Until next time, Heidi. Thank you. <laughs> kind of discussed who we thought was behind it, but I, I, I have to applaud Heidi for using Madame Gao's proper first name. Yes. Madame <laughs> Gao. <laughs> And Robin, we have another uh, email. Do you want to read this one? It's actually feedback yes. for the, the show up to this episode from Dan. All right. Dan W. Dan, you read a lot, but it's okay. 
I've been approached to um, narrate audiobooks. Hmm. No, I haven't. I've just been dealing with time here as I'm scrolling up. Okay, here we go. <laughs> oh, wait, this is Heidi's. Ah, scroll down, scroll down. Okay, here we go. Um, yeah. I finally caught up with the podcast and its newbies, not counting the background material, which I haven't checked out yet. My favorite episode of the podcast so far was the interview with Josh, Le- Josh Levy uh, about TV audio descriptions for the visually impaired. As much as I enjoyed genre TV as a form of escapism, I'm also interested in exploring the social and political issues it touches on. Besides from being a fun guest, Levy um, taught me a few things, and I'm glad you had him on. If you're able to have a disability rights advocate on in the future who can speak knowledgeably about the show's portrayal of its blind characters, that's something I'd love to hear. Okay. My initial reaction to that aspect of the show is that the idea of the blind or deaf character whose other senses are enhanced is both a stereotype and a trope, but I nonetheless find it to be a fascinating story element, especially for the superhero story. This story is my first point of entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so I'm in the similar position to Mel and Moira of being not just a Defenders newbie, but a Marvel newbie. Wow. Um, okay. As such, I'd appreciate a little bit, a little more explanation of what it means to refer to Daredevil as a street-level superhero in the context of the wider Marvel and DC universe. My sense of the show so far is that it's just flirting with the idea of superpowers and supernatural elements, and that would almost be more accurate to call Murdoch an action hero than a superhero. But there are elements of the narrative that fit the superhero mold, such as the importance of the origin story, the mask, and the secret identity, and the double life of the, of the hero. Some superhero stories have been unsatisfying to me because the bad guys are either uninteresting or ridiculous or, and unbelievable. In contrast, Daredevil is doing a great job building Wilson Fisk as a real incredible nemesis. I'm especially impressed with his skill at manipulating the, the media. I love the use of color on the show. We're seeing Fisk gravitate toward the color white and Murdoch toward the color red. More generally, we see tints of primary colors, red, blue, and yellow, mixing in with New York City's built-in gray concrete and black shadows. Aside from having an engaging story and intriguing characters, the show is just nice to look at. I've been living in New York City for 16 years, and I love the fact that the show is shot here. They obviously have a good location scout. Your podcast has observed two nice New York City elements, the concrete chess tables and the Athora coffee cups. (laughs) You inadvertently mentioned another, the poster at the diner about how to rescue a choking victim. These posters are required by New York City Department of Health. The fancier restaurants frequented by Wilson Fisk can tuck these signs out of sight, but they're apt to be in plain view in a small diner. This is already long, so I'll continue with a mini-feedback for Episode 9, Speak of the Devil. Fisk has eliminated another of his colleagues, or about half of the original crew. Leland will probably soon be thinking that he needs more than a stun gun. Excelsior, Dan W. Thanks, Dan. Excellent feedback. Yeah, really good feedback. Thank you. Um, You mentioned that you wanted a bit of info kind of about what it means to refer to Daredevil as a street-level superhero. Um, And so what I'd probably say is, for instance, I I kind of think that characters can be separated into sort of a few groups, like street-level heroes are the ones that fight more the smaller areas. They're very much based on the streets and fight muggers and things like that. You won't get someone like Iron Man fighting a mugger because he's more of a, a bigger character. Does that make sense, guys? 
Mm. You know, he's more of an yes. Avenger, whereas the Avengers don't kind of worry about little things like that. Um, <laughs> whereas Daredevil's a street-level character because he's so... His story is so much tied with the streets and Hell's Kitchen. You know, you can't really have Daredevil without that, although there have been some stories, you know, where he's joined the more cosmic characters and things. So that's kind of what I figure him being a street-level character. The same with characters like Moon Knight and Luke Cage and Iron Fist, some people like that. If you guys had any anything else for I love the idea of him being, like, an action hero more than a superhero. <laughs> mm. You know, this is like, uh, you know, like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie or something like that, or uh, Steven Seagal. Oh. Steven Seagal is Matt <laughs> <laughs> Um We've got one more voicemail, which is from Wu. Here we go. ...episodes of the season. I really enjoyed everyone's performances, but I think the biggest kudos go to... Aldrich Hansen and Charlie Cox, respectively. And I loved how these two performers played off each other. I have a theater background, like I mentioned in the previous episode, and I like this implied reality that two people can stay in one space and really get so caught up in the drama and the frustration and the anger and the hostility they have for the person in the, in the room with them they don't really want to do anything else. And I think that's very real. And I love the idea. And I don't know if this was thought of initially in terms of the writing of the script. But I love that since Matt was injured because of his fight with Nobu and with Fisk in the last episode, that he can't walk away from the conversation. I really love that, that attention to detail, even though... It it may have not been thought of initially when writing this episode. Mm. One thing that I didn't realize until I rewatched this episode, and I can't believe I forgot it, was what Leland Owsley says in kind of muffled echo speech. I don't think it was ever intended to be funny, but it just struck me as funny because Leland Owsley in echo voice says, Oh my God! someone call an ambulance or something to that effect. And what I love about that performance is he doesn't sound overly panicked. He doesn't sound hysterical. Exactly. <laughs> His voice never changes one bit. But with that echo, even with that echo, there's little change to his voice. And I don't know if the producers or the showrunners or Jeff Loeb, anybody involved with Daredevil, was intending it to be funny. But I don't know. Maybe it's just the way the performer that played Leland Owsley played it. It just struck me. It's just so oddly, strangely funny. <laughs> One thing that I was thinking of at the very beginning of the, of the episode, even before we saw the title card and the credits and all that, that great stuff that the, producer, that the producers created when Matt was on the couch in pain, I was thinking, yeah, you think you're in pain now, buddy. Just wait until a, a really tall purple guy shows up with a gold pimp glove saying that he wants to take over the world. <laughs> Even though Thanos, like, and I have to agree with a lot of the reviewers, and I usually don't agree with a lot of reviewers, he's like the anti-Fisk in terms of the anti-Wilson Fisk when he's like, I'm going to destroy the world. Everyone will bow before me. But dude, you haven't really done anything in like, what, the three times we've seen you in a post-credit scene or a post, 
a mid-title card scene, all you've done is threaten where Wilson Fisk and a couple episodes has done more than you have in, like, what, three years now since the first Avengers movie? But not really funny. On a side <laughs> note, I'm really frightened of Mel now because I really don't know what she is. First she was an embryo, then that embryo turned into Howard the Duck, then it turned into a predator, then it turned into another predator of a Velociraptor. What is she, the chameleon from Spider-Man? Claire, please reaffirm that we're actually listening to an actual podcaster, and that's a chameleon from Spider-Man. I can't. Well, I... Uh, well, I just forgot. Mel is from Canada, and she probably spent most of the night he's listening to Robin Sparkles. There you go. <laughs> One thing that I found particularly heartbreaking in this episode was when Ben Urich went to go see his wife in the hospital. I got an eerie flashback to Captain America the Winter Soldier mm. when, spoiler alert, Captain Rogers meets up with Peggy Carter and she's in a retirement home, barely able to move, and she forgets who Steve is for a second, or forgets the conversation she had with him just minutes ago, and the broken-hearted look on Steve Rogers' face is pretty much the same look that Ben York had on his face. I thought that was really sad, in both counts. And was it just me? thinking this, or did anybody else on the podcast think that Audrey Henson really was stepping into the role of Fulton Reed from Mighty Ducks and then flashback outside with Matt when they're talking about their future? I mean, he's wearing almost the exact same clothes that his character from the first Mighty Ducks film wore, complete with the hat, complete with the long hair. The only thing that was different was his hair color. I thought that was really ironically funny. <laughs> No, please excuse me, everyone. I'm going to have brunch with Kevin Feige. We have a lot of things to discuss. <laughs> and I don't want to keep him waiting. The man loves his gluten-free waffles. And his shawarma. Talk to you guys later. Love the podcast. Bye-bye. Mm. Thanks, Wu. Absolutely. I, I didn't know that Wu was in tight with uh, with the big Marvel people. Get us, get us an interview. Get us on set. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I better can, watch out. Thanos will come after him. I definitely cannot confirm that Mel is not the chameleon. She could she just, be. I don't know what she is. She just flew away, remember? So. Yeah, true. Like, she's some kind of creature. Uh, so, now it's time for us to score this bad boy. So, our lovely guest, Nutty, can go first. What would you score it? Oh, I am going to have to give this 10 out of 10 um, avocados because okay. I I don't rate them all 10 like Robin does, but this one <laughs> was, yeah, th- th- this is one of my favorites. This is, this is fantastic. This is such a great episode. And when I saw that I was going to be on this episode, I was so excited because, <laughs> yay. Awesome. Uh, Robin? Uh, yeah, I love this episode. Um, I was going to deduct two points because of the pacing, because I really enjoyed um, what was going on with Matt and Foggy, and whereas I would enjoy most scenes with Wilson and, or Karen and her stuff um, with Ben, um, I, I I felt it just kept on interrupting. I wanted to get back to what was going on with Nelson versus Matt Murdock. Would have appreciated this more as a as a bottle episode. However, we did mention Smallville twice in this podcast, so that adds another point. So I'm going to give it nine out of ten bagels. Right, Matt. I really liked it. There's a lot of character building. Um, yeah, and it was nice to see Matt Murdock have fun 
and then cry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'll give it a 9 out of 10 man babies. Man babies! <laughs> um, and I love this episode. It's it's up there with one of my favourites, but I do still prefer episode 2, which is my favourite so far. Um, so I mentioned some of the issues I had with it. Uh, so I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 Foggy Nelson Bagel Steelers. And with Mel's score of 6, brings us down to 8.6. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's still pretty high. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and now it's time for our lovely guest, Nutty, to pimp herself. Pimp yourself as much as you like. Yes, not, you can... Not in a crude way. <laughs> <laughs> you can find uh, my podcast, the Nutty Bites podcast, at nimlas.org. That's N-I-M-L-A-S dot org. And you can also find... An, I'm sorry, that's a podcast where I talk about geeky stuff. I've had Claire on a couple of times. Yay. She's come on to talk about our favorite female comic book characters. And we did a, a special... Um, uh, commentary track for Harold and Maude. She introduced me to that. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you can also find the other podcasts that I do, including uh, Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast that's presented by specficmedia.com. And we are covering uh, Game of Thrones up until the most released episode. So we've been spoiler-free since 2011, and it's wow. kind of like a newbie thing because we've got some veterans and we've got some newbies and uh, you got a nice good mix there. Uh, you can also find Epic, which is another geeky related podcast that's also a terrestrial radio show. You can find a link to that also at nimlas.org. And you can find Run For Your Life and all the other podcasts that I guess on. You have a, a yeah, veritable huge collection and a mass of podcasts. Yeah, but I don't think I have as many as Robin, so it's all good. <laughs> um, Robin and Matt, do you have anything you want to pimp out this week that you've been up to? Um, I just wanted to say that uh, we just finished up uh, the season one of iZombie and, uh, on the iZombie podcast. I'm really, really happy because uh, uh, Rob Thomas uh, just pimped us out on Twitter. So nice. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, yeah, we can't really go any higher than that. <laughs> Sweet. He says That's he actually awesome. Listened, he listened to an episode, right? Yes, and started responding to things that uh, I was pointing out as holes on on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, now I'm going to be on my best behavior from now on. Mm-hmm. No, point out more holes. He, obviously, <laughs> that's what he responded to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no those, those guys are awesome, so they don't mind criticism at all. Matt, do you have anything to pimp? Yeah, I think Robin should burn all the bridges, just like Matt A on Hooplecast in his <laughs> recurring recurring segment. Uh, what's the, what's the guy's name who plays Seth Bullock? Timothy Oliphant, bad actor, good actor, <laughs> good actor, I say, and hot. <laughs> listen, listen to Hooplecast, a podcast about Deadwood, and uh, what we make, a Terminator podcast, and Twin Peaks podcast. Yeah. Awesome. And you can contact our podcast on Twitter, or aka you can contact me on Twitter, at DefendersCast, or at DefendersPod. What is it? At DefendersPod. That's it. I should know this. You You can send us feedback via email at DefendersPod at gmail.com, and you can find us on Facebook at, by searching for the Defenders Podcast. And <laughs> next week, we've made some predictions already, so we're not going to make any more, because we've been predicting stuff all throughout. Uh, but we will be covering episode 11, which I believe off the top of my head is called Path of the Righteous. Yes. So we'll be back next week. Nutty, take us out with an Excelsior, please. Excelsior! Woo! Woo! Ah!
Bye. Thank you for listening. You can comment and send feedback to us by emailing defenderspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash defenderspodcast or on Twitter at defenderspod. Defenders Podcast is created under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported international license. That means you can share it, you can send it to your friends, you just can't make any money off of it. You can't change it, and you have to link back to us and our site. Excelsior!